Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Rodri, mistake. Hoivier. Kane! He's done it! It's a record! And he's got it against the champions! Hello and welcome to The View from the Lane, the Tottenham Hotspur podcast for The Athletic. I'm your host, Danny Kelly. Alongside me today is the Athletics of James Moore and a very special guest. That voice you've just been hearing, football commentator and, of course, the Spurs match day commentator over on Spurs Play, Rob Daly. And the voice you heard, of course, was very excitingly calling Harry Kane's record-breaking goal against Manchester City. Hello, Rob. Hello, Danny. Hello, James. And hello, James. Hello. Listen, very, very good. We'll get into Rob and how he got to be the person who gets to call that stuff like that. But one or two bits of news we need to deal with first here on The View from the Lane. We've been doing a lot of, I mean, Rob, I know you listen to the podcast, so you'll know this as well. We talked a lot this this season about Hugo Lloris. And I remember doing a, a sort of speech at the start of the season about how great he's been and how we never had to worry about the goalkeeper. And since then, he's done his level best to make me look a bit of a mug. And people have been saying, well, what we need to do is to plan for a future without uh, Hugo Lloris. Maybe we need to replace him now. Well, we've got that chance now because news came yesterday of the six to eight weeks that Hugo Lloris... Well, that, that takes us into mid-April. So he only needs one setback and he's probably played his last game for Spurs. I hate to put it as bluntly as that, but is that what we're looking at, James? I mean, I think the line The Athletic actually published was at least six to eight weeks. Wow. So yeah, I have to admit, when I was speaking to Jack on the phone yesterday when this first broke, that was my... That was my first thought, that it's not inconceivable that that is the case. I mean, we'll worry about that a bit later on because that is sort of a hypothetical. Yes. Makes me quite sad, really. Yeah, and we're not doctors either, as we always have to say when we start discussing people's knees, yeah. It is, it's such a shame that it's come at this moment because it did feel like, and Jack has written a piece along these lines uh, for The Athletic, it kind of felt like Spurs had got over the hump of a very difficult winter. Mm-hmm. You know, you get two new players in, three wins on the bounce, three clean sheets... And it kind of suddenly feels like there's real momentum again. And we're looking ahead to the rest of the season with such optimism. And then your captain, your most experienced player, a World Cup winner, is out of the team for, let's sort of say, at least half of the rest of the season, probably. It's a bit of a nightmare, isn't it? I mean, what does that do to the dressing room as much as anything else? I mean, you know, I mean you're right in what you say. He's not in his best season up to this point. But he is still clearly a very popular figure at the club. Just when they started keeping clean sheets. And, yeah. uh, you know, when Harry came at the side of the pitch where... Uh, after the game, of course, Rob was involved with him as well. The first person to jump on Harry was the goalkeeper. Is that you know, how he did it? Oh, it, please don't. The Steve Morrow, as it's known, back from back in the day as well for the teenagers. The games that he could miss, it, assuming he comes back within that time frame that we described there, are Leicester City, Milan, West Ham, Chelsea, Sheffield United, Wolves, Milan again, Nottingham Forest, Southampton and Everton. 
I've got to be honest, I can't see any games there where Spurs could do without a goalkeeper. Rob, you, I mean, in the five years that you've been doing the Spurs commentary, but one of the easiest things for you each time is to pencil in the name of the goalkeeper because it's always Hugo Lloris. Except for that mad period when Gazaniga replaced him, which he injured briefly, wasn't he? And Gazaniga came in and got him, got, did all kinds of strange things while looking very beautiful. This is a real blow for Spurs, isn't it? He was very handsome, wasn't he, Paolo Gazzaniga? I yeah. think um, to go back to, I'll go to like two reference points in this. I'll go back to that when he injured himself at Brighton, making a mistake for the opening goal. Was it Neil Mopé scored? And, um, and he uh, dislocated his, his elbow and was out for that long. At that time, Gazzaniga had recently made his debut for Argentina. And, and I think he's only got the one cap. I don't think he, he got any more after that. But I thought, OK, this is the time where I, th- I thought then was a legitimate chance for Gazaniga to stake a game because Lloris had had a couple of mistakes already that season up to that point. And then Gazaniga came in and I think we saw his shortcomings as an elite level goalkeeper that particularly getting down to shots. I was really surprised at how often he was beaten by low shots at his near post. And then so when Lloris came back, huge relief. Like, I think Jose Mourinho was absolutely over the moon to have him back. And every manager subsequently, Conte, Mourinho, everybody, uh, in Poch onwards, has talked about how important Lloris is as a character. We do still mention Nuno's name, Rob. It's okay. And Nuno, yeah, yeah, Nuno, <laughs> that's true. And I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure Ryan Mason has said that and I something nice about uh, Hugo as well. And then I'll go back to January of last year when he signed his new contract. What a relief that was how warmly that was received because when he came back from his injury he became a much more stable goalkeeper and was doing less stuff with his feet he'd been caught out in the world cup final and luckily france had still won i think fundamentally he was then became such an important part of the team there have been errors this season but i don't see i don't see what's happening now as an opportunity to for fraser force obviously to become spurs number one i think fundamentally no matter what the long-term planning is he's a backup goalkeeper isn't he but I, I imagine there must be discussions purely because of Hugo's age. I mean, he turned uh, 36, didn't he, on Boxing Day? And that you've got to be thinking about it in those terms. But um, I hope it isn't his last appearance because it still rankles me a bit about Jan Vertonghen. Uh, his last game in front of Tottenham fans, I think this is correct, was Norwich. Oh, the cup game. The cup game, I think. Yeah, yeah that probably I've got is that in, right. And um, awful game anyway to have to say goodbye to like a guy who effectively is a legend. So I imagine, you know, I haven't heard anything. I'm just reading it like everybody else. I hope he is back before the end of the season. And it, and it does feel like a bit of a, I saw Spurs fans on Twitter just going, why can't we just have a normal week? Why can't we have nice things just for like a few days? Something has to happen. It's and, been uh, that kind sure of season. It, it really, I mean, you know, yeah. you could say that about every club and every season, but this has been extraordinary. This, this, you know, since the new season started with Spurs, it's always going to be mad because of the World Cup in the middle of the season. Everything keeps happening. So the door closes on Hugo for now. And hello, Fraser Forster. We all know he had those brilliant games against Arsenal that maybe persuaded Spurs to buy him. And the producer very kindly put some very nice words that Lionel Messi had to say about Fraser when Celtic played Barcelona back in the day. But, you know, look, this is, this is one of those crying over spilt milk things, seems to me, James. Forster is the reserve goalkeeper, and we have to hope that he's got that his giant frame is still up to it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see loads in the so the one Premier League game he's played for Spurs up to now was the the game at Brentford on Boxing Day, obviously just after Lloris had come back on his birthday from the World Cup, and I didn't really see anything there that suggested he was particularly close to Lloris in terms of like shot stopping ability. But 
you know, he, he was first choice for Southampton for the second half of last season. And that, you know, Southampton didn't have a brilliant season last season, but he was playing regularly in the Premier League. This isn't like a guy, you know, that they've plucked out of... Like, like Rob was saying, when Gazzaniga came into the team, he probably played four or five Premier League games before that, maybe. Yeah. Spread over a yeah, few yeah, years yeah. At, at Spurs and Southampton. You know, this guy is, is is an experienced goalkeeper. And he's not... I mean, he's younger than Lloris, is he? He must be. What, sort of 33, I think? Yeah, I think he's, he's 34 or something, is he? Oh, okay. Youth team. So, it's, you know, <laughs> comparatively, you know, he's wet behind the ears. 34, so yeah. it shouldn't be a complete calamity, Touchwood. No. But, I mean, also, there's two encourage, bits of encouragement. I'll just say them. One, Spurs do not expect a goalkeeper because of the way Hugo has been to play out from the back too much with his feet. He's not expected to do 30-yard chips. So Forster doesn't have to do that. He's not trying to replace Edison. And secondly, against arguably the best team in the country, we know who the argument's about, Manchester City the other day, we saw that if Spurs play well defensively, the goalkeeper doesn't have a million things to do. In fact, I mean, Rob, you'll remember more clearly than me, uh, I don't suppose Lloris played actually... Two proper saves to make in the whole game. There was yeah, some, and I'd say none of them stretched. No, it. there were some deflections no. with, with shots, which, you, you know, the one that went off um, Dyer's knee might have caused the goalkeeper a lot of problems. But if we're defending well, you know, and we all know that it's, it's too deep, but that's another story, he may not have that much to do. Let's hope um, that Fraser Forster writes it. Tell you what, it's always the same, isn't it? He's got an opportunity here to write himself in the Spurs history if they go on a good run and set in, in the second half of this season. I think it's going to be fine, to be honest. I mean, I, 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 the, for, the Forest game in the Carabao Cup, he was excellent. The rest of the team wasn't, but Fraser Forster you was say really that again. good <laughs> in that game. <laughs> in that game, he, was, he made a string of saves that kept Spurs in it. It was amazing. It was 1-0 until the point it was 2-0. So, uh, and he's got Premier League experience. I think if someone had said there wasn't Fraser Forster at the club, Lloris got injured, and then somehow Spurs have persuaded the Premier League to let them sign Fraser Forster. Everyone would be feeling massively relieved. I think someone with experience and everything, it, I don't, he, he might not be as good as Lloris, but for this period, I think it's okay. Yeah, and he, he does at least fulfil the modern brief that he's, um, uh, he's big enough that he has to bow his head when going through a normal door. He is the biggest door. bloke ever. Yeah? It's really, he is You've huge. been up close, have you? Do you have, to hold, do you have to lift the microphone up above your own head to talk to him? <laughs> No, I just see him walk by, and I'm like, "Oh my god, you're like the tallest black I've ever seen." Yeah, he's a, he's a big guy. So that, that that's the that was the breaking news yesterday, Rob. Let's come back then to how James. I'll give you the background here. Uh, five or six years ago, Rob used to be a, a regular with me on the radio on on many shows, but particularly on Trans Europe Express, where his planet-sized brain was very very useful to me. Although he may remember largely it being a vehicle for me taking Mickey up his luxurious. Red locks. I like his red hair and a lot of comments about them. So when you suddenly turned up king of commentating on Spurs, I must say, because you know we kept we kept in touch. One eyebrow got raised. How did you? What happened? How did you become a commentator from being, uh, well, frankly, a radio a radio sidekick and butt of jokes? No, I'm still butt of jokes. Don't worry about that. And actually, one of the best things about the uh, the commentary, the the clip of me commentating, is that I've had like I think six or seven tweets going. I would never have guessed you were ginger. As if you could guess the colour of my colour <laughs> from my voice at all. Like, that's blown people's minds. But, you know. And because I've got a little nasal voice, when people finally meet me, oh, you're a very big man. Cause, but they think because I've got well, a little nasal... Well, they expect nasal, you to be a shrew oh, of a guy. They expect me about four foot eleven and, and, you know, and getting into my house through the letterbox. I don't know. Please. Uh, so, the, the great transition then. Oh, yeah. Well, I actually, basically, I was a news journalist from 2004 to about 2011 and would do football on the weekends. 
So I was like uh, working in like East Anglia. I'm from Essex, so like East Anglia news journalist. But we do go interview like a Moody Phil Parkinson for Colchester United at the time, or Joe Royal at Ipswich. Or, and then by the time I got to 2011, I was getting enough football work I could phase out. And mainly commentary, local radio, stuff like that. It's a pathway that doesn't really exist anymore because a lot of the local radio stations are gone. They just got obliterated. So then I got into TV commentary, got a few breaks, which includes the following story, which is I'm... Like your lovely uh, tale at the end of the last podcast, Danny, I'm a son of two people who, well, they didn't get a boat over here, but they flew over from oh, Ireland to move well, here. Well, posh, the... there's posh. <laughs> <laughs> La-ti-da. <laughs> and, they, uh, and, um, and so my family are all still in Ireland, and I was flying over a lot, and I hedged my bets on Satanta Sports. This is the Irish channel, not the sort of failed venture in England, and... Um, Went for a meeting with two people there and said, I'd love to commentate on the Premier League for your channel because they had a match of the day equivalent. And the people were, Anya was the woman and a guy called JK. And I'm chatting to them in this cafe, wearing a suit unnecessarily, trying to impress these TV exec people. And then JK goes, are you probably, you, you do stuff with my brother. So this is like 10 years ago. And I look at him and I see your face. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I didn't realise I was talking to your brother, John. Who ran, who ran Satanta for years and years and years, yeah. Who ran Satanta Sports. So I hadn't made the connection. Me and you had done a bit on TalkSport at that point. And then uh, John gave me one of my big breaks in TV, really, because he gave me, um, he booked me within two weeks. Well, J- James, James would like Satanta to meet Sports John coverage. because he's, he's exactly the same as me. In every way, James, but a nice bloke. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, that did seem like the, <laughs> the main difference there. He is, he is, a, he is a softer version yeah, of you, Danny, isn't he? He's absolutely, a, he is. Yeah. But if they chose not to use you or they did use you? They did use me, yeah. And this one of my fondest memories is of my first shift there, going back to my granddad's house in Ballyfern, which is in Dublin, and sleeping on his sofa and flicking on the telly and going, there I am, granddad. And it's like, that's one of my favourite memories. I remember that night so clearly. When will you like, get first... a proper job, as they always say at this stage? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> He didn't even like football, he did, but he liked that I was on the uh, coming out of the telly. And then basically I pinged around TV and everything. And then when the Spurs moved into the new stadium, they wanted to ramp up their TV coverage. And um, I was working in Germany every weekend on the Bundesliga world feed. I still work on the Bundesliga now, but Spurs said I got offered a job, basically come in. So five years of my first season was the Champions League run, which is hilarious. Oh, wow. Well, we'll talk about the things you remember most. What do you, I mean, as you say, you've covered the waterfront reporting presenting you now consider yourself you know not just a football commentator but the spurs football commentator yeah no i love it's like the best job i've ever had it's like and especially like the reaction to the commentary from the the Kane thing there's been a couple of moments like the bergvine when bergvine scored against leicester people liked my commentary of that and then this like people are just so nice to me and i love the people i work with i get to work in that amazing stadium watching like top level Premier League football everyone at Tottenham is so lovely to work with it's just like the best we saw a camera um, of you and Clive doing the commentary on Harry's uh, record breaking goal are you are you on camera as well or was that a one off no so we didn't know we'd been filmed Ah. I don't know if that's evident from the way I'm behaving which is absurdly that I'm at one point, I'm wagging my finger and doing all this. Such, I didn't know I did. But the, that camera's there because in the pre-match show, I do You're doing it now again, but anyway, go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do now. I do, this, I do team news into the pre-match show that we have. It's like an hour long. And that camera's pointed at me. But ultimately, people seem to have liked it. So I'm really grateful it's out there. And working with Clive's a pleasure, you know. It's only the second time I've ever done a game with him. Lovely man, isn't he? And what a handshake. He could literally lift you off the ground with his handshake, Clive. Like a vice, yeah. 
I just wondered. I mean, I'm I'm really interested in this, and I'm sure sure James will too. And that and that is, um, you know, you got great praise for the way you handled the the cane thing. And I, 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 you know, the times I hear you doing it, I think you're really, really good at it because it's very much a skill, isn't it? Commentating on football. Do people? Do you get negative comments as well, though? Do people want you to commentate in different ways? Yeah, of course. Go on. Yeah, this is why when people are nice, it's weird. <laughs> people mainly just slag off commentators, don't they? They go, oh, this guy's doing my nutting or whatever. That's most of it. But with Tottenham fans, it isn't. It just seems to be this. Like on Monday, when that clip went out, or Sunday night or whatever it went out, it was just like a tidal wave of people being, I think I had thousands of messages. Thousands. Not hun- like thousands of people tweeting me, quote tweeting me, Instagram, everything. It's crazy, yeah. It was lovely. When you know there's a moment coming, like that Harry Kane record goal, and we've kind of gone into the last, what, sort of half a dozen games, thinking it's a possibility. I remember going to the Portsmouth game and thinking, he's starting the game, he could get a hat Three goals easily, yeah. Game. yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to ask if you have a line prepared, because I know that's the thing commentators hate being asked, but is it kind of playing on your mind when you're covering the game? Yeah, 100%. This big moment could be coming and you need to kind of be mentally ready to yeah. let it all out. I think because... With, with Tottenham, I'm not, we do the game live, but I'm not going out live. Like, you can't listen to my commentary live, but... Sorry, what, um, what do you mean? As in, like, you can't listen to me and Clive Allen commentating while the game's on in real time. It's only for highlights and for the okay. full nine minutes to rewatch right. and everything later. So I'm very aware that when a goal goes in, it's like these things are time capsules of the moment. So we're not going to, you know Kane's going to break the record in the coming weeks and you think about the kind of areas you want to touch upon. So I definitely did that going into it. But I couldn't script something, and especially with VAR, I wouldn't trust going, here's my thing, and then they go, goal disallowed, he was offside, or there was a handball in the build-up, or whatever marginal thing might be. And then that just flips away. So I ahead of the Arsenal game, actually, probably James, I think Portsmouth probably caught me out a little bit. I was thinking, oh my God, if he scores three here. But Arsenal definitely was score two, and he's got it. So there was fragments of ideas that came in. But what was good about the goal the other day, Clive popped into the conversation early, and that gave me a breather to think about get your sentence together or whatever you think you want to say. And then that stuff comes out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, welcome back to part two of The View from the Lane with me, Danny Kelly, James Moore. And Rob Daly, who I'll say once again is the Spurs play commentator. He commentates on Tottenham. If you go to the highlights, packages and all the rest of it that the club provides, it's his dulcet tones that are adorning them. And we'll get on to the actual fixture Spurs we've got coming up, but um, I just want to continue to talk to Rob about what it what he does. Rob, we saw the, the, those, uh, that I'm absolutely viral. You're now an internet sensation with Clive Allen. Do you always have a co-commentator or, or is it because there was a special occasion they got out you know, a great Spurs striker to talk about a great Spurs striker? Yeah, that's a new thing. So they said, well, we, we'll, well, for the top six games this year, we get the home games against the top six, we'll give you Clive. So the first game was Arsenal and then the second one was the other day. But he's obviously Clive, this is an overstatement, he's one of the best co-commentators in the country. He's extremely experienced. He's on BT basically every weekend. And... Um, He's just like, it's the easiest thing working with him. He's a lovely man. And I've worked with him many, many times. Only once was he utterly bemused, uh, James. Talk Sport, bless them, had set up some kind of cricket match down at Richmond Cricket Club. And we set up the gear in a pub. The, I think it might even be called the Cricketer's Arms that looks directly, well. d- d- you do, do you? D- directly out onto, do, the, yeah. onto, the, onto the green. So in the middle distance, I'm doing a three-hour show, right, in the middle of the day. It was described by Adrian Durham later on as the, the most remarkable thing he'd ever heard on the radio. He did not say whether that was a positive or a negative. <laughs> I'm watching this game between some decent international players and the staff of Talk Sport. And Clive, for whatever reason, had agreed to come along. He didn't seem to have his pads with him. And I remember a very bemused conversation with him about, what are you going to do today then, Clive? I said, I've not got you down. I've got the running order here. You don't seem to be on the radio. He said, I'm not playing cricket either. He was just there as some kind of, uh, you know, extra <laughs> famous person. Before yeah. I forget, I've got two things, one for James and one for you. James, I'm just checking here. Fraser Forster is six foot seven, so he's one of the very few people alive who's taller than you. Oh, wow. I mean, what, <laughs> that is, what, I mean, I'm, I mean I'm six foot two, Well, I right? think to drop into the middle of another conversation. I'm six foot two, and I think I'm, I'm you know, yep. a pretty tall bloke. People say, oh, you're tall. You are towering over me. What are you, six five, I'm guessing? Uh, I think actually six six. Dear God in heaven, amazing! What's been the best thing about being so tall over the years? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would genuinely say there are very few positives to being. Oh, tall. really? It's, uh, it's really annoying. Really, James? It's just impractical. Really? There's not. Well, there are no like having like stupidly long legs. Like if you're on a plane or you know, at Spurs when you used to have to sit down. I, I'm in yeah. safe standing now, so it's fine. But you know, oh, at a yeah. gig where like you've got to position yourself somewhere where. You can see. But you're not blocking out the sun. You're not obstructing other people from being able to see. So it's like, it's a curse, really. Is there an ideal height, do you think? I, I would say 6'2", six 6'2", two, six two would, yeah. People have been, when you've been on, on, say, a holiday in hot places, people haven't used you as shelter, have they? 
I, they might have done without my without Oh, my I knowledge. would. I'd be walking along behind you <laughs> to avoid the sunburn, trust me. To combine those two threads, though, I, I once in my previous job ghosted a column for John Champion for a season on the 442 website. And as part of that, I went to a Spurs FA Cup game at Watford. This was 11-12, I think. And this was before they'd kind of... Do you remember Vicarage Road used to be that one stand that was like in three different pieces? Like there was, it was like three sort of miniature yeah. stands together, yeah. like a sort of three different Lego sets basically. And I had to go up the ladder, which very literally is going up a ladder into a, like a little shack like, at the t- like on stilts. And that was like to meet John Champion for the first time. So I had this real horrible ordeal of like trying to navigate this, my way up this ladder, <laughs> which is like it, a Bear honestly, Grylls challenge. A complete just nightmare. Just and get then, to uh, him. Yeah, Craig Burley basically didn't talk to me. There you go. Oh. Um, so I was going to ask you, Rob, whether there were any kind of, in the modern Premier League, any kind of nightmare press boxes from a sort of logistical perspective. I always find them, I, well, Palace is like, um, has got the old, because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. propagandry, and then you've got the little bum, 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 bum. And West Brom's got a really quirky one where you uh, you sort of go through what feels like your nan's attic to get to like your, to get to the gantry. It's like the weirdest, like you're in the top of a house, like, because it sort of is like a house, like a bit of Hawthorns, you know. It's, uh, but um, luckily, Spurs is like just dead easy. Like if I if I was really so inclined, I could probably grab a beer and get back to my seat in thirty seconds from my seat. You're lucky in yeah. some ways that Charlton have been out of the Premier League for so long. Uh, I don't know if it's still the same, but I once did a commentary from Charlton. You know, after the ground was rebuilt, so it, it probably is the same. It's right. The commentary positions are right out on the lip. Of the very big stand, a vertigo yeah. really is astonishingly high, and I'm I'm not necessarily nobody's good with heights, are they? I'm not very good with heights, but b on an evening kickoff, the wind coming off the River Thames. I I mean I remember you you'll know the people involved here. I remember common doing co-coms one day on a one evening on a on a Charlton match, Rob. And the great Phil Parry was doing look at the main commentary, oh, yeah, yeah. and at one stage I got hold of the uh, of the producer who probably listen to this Mike Lawrence how are you Mike and I said look at Phil's look at Phil's lips and Phil's lips had gone bright blue he kept going he was absolute trooper <laughs> he was talking but the blood was draining from his body as as the body and those temperatures and that wind thought he's under attack here I'm going to just protect the vital organs our extremities were becoming less and less mobile and Phil's lips had turned blue Mike went off and got some kind of tea to try and revivify him uh, for for the second half. Yeah. The other thing, and so that was that the height of James is still still a starting thing. I forgot to tell people, Rob, that you are you are the other part of something that happened on the radio where I asked Rob a question of such depth and magnitude that it caused him to giggle at a pitch that only dogs could hear. It's I've, a weird never, laugh, I've it? never heard a piece of squeaking like it. We were having a discussion every week about Neymar, and Rob was opining um, Neymar, a positional problem there, this and that, a very good player. Don't sound like that at all. And he was going, doing like all that. that. And I went back, and because we were talking about his behaviour and his attitude, and I said, Is Neymar a git? <laughs> um. Pr- Probably a bit. Yeah, a bit of a git. But, uh, no you don't, more than that. Danny, I'm not lying. You do not get that question on any other show. No. But that's, that's good. But that's why some people love it. That's why the awards <laughs> keep pouring in. You look to me so sincere. That <laughs> yeah. destroyed me. Where did you get that vocal? Oh, Where no, did you I've get got, that noise no, from? I've got some horrible 
Jimmy Carr kind of sound. Not Jimmy Carr <laughs> level, but like some, some funny noise. But then that clip was played. We played that for like three years, didn't we, that clip? Yeah, well, it, it went out all, all the time. No, but that show, that show was great fun. Great fun. Last season was extraordinary and you know they were they changed the manager early and they had that great run in the second half of the season, which I wasn't sure they were capable of, though Charlie Eccleshare on here really was. And this year, this season has been, I mean, so such a roller coaster of you know, I'll, I'll say what I think, poor performances, but they're still in the chance of very good chance of qualifying for the Champions League. They're still in the Champions League, they're still in the FA Cup. And what have you made of this season, Robin? Are you sort of all primed now for another late run towards the top four. I feel, I feel like it a little bit. I mean, you guys on uh, on the last show seemed pretty positive about the mood and the way the team are we playing. We were delirious because of Harry Kane. We were delirious. You were, yeah, you were all quite giddy, actually, in hindsight. <laughs> yeah. But it was off the back of Fulham and this now infamous meeting and the subsequent defensive performances and everything, the group does seem re-galvanised. I think the team had lost its... And we, when we had Harry Kane pitch side at the weekend, we were talking about how, with him about how they, the team had lost some of its fundamentals. Conceding two goals a game just wasn't, wasn't the way that Conte had set up the team at all. And it feels like the last couple of performances... I'm hesitant to use the terms like turning point because Liverpool have supposedly had their turning point, you know... Uh, Every team's had like a turning point this season, then it hasn't happened. But with the fundamentals of the last couple of performances in the Premier League in particular, hope that this is the turning point for that charge. And everybody's fit at the minute, bar Larice now. So there was a dearth of, it was just no forwards, was there, other than the Harry Kane. Perisic playing as a centre forward at one point. It feels like the squad's in good shape. The mood's really positive. I mean, it's amazing how quickly everything can change in a couple of weeks. But it does feel different, doesn't it? Even Son playing well and everything, you know. Um, yeah, it feels completely well, different. Well, playing well by his own recent standards. Yeah, and it's hurt It's hurt him, Danny. I mean, you can see it on him. And when you speak to him about it, you can, he can't. he cannot hide his feelings. He looks, no. he's devastated. Even after the hat-trick against Leicester, he still had this sort of, he was relieved, but had, still had this crestfallen energy about his performances. That and you thought, well, that game's his turning point, and it wasn't. It, I'm sure he thought it would be, and it didn't. That form continued, bar the Frankfurt. Yeah, the two goals against mm -hmm. uh, against Frankfurt. So hopefully he's feeling it a little bit more. The mood is better, but ultimately, I was looking at that match day squad against City, thinking that's the strongest Spurs match day squad I have seen in ages. To actually have players on the bench who, who you think you would be quite happy for them to come on for the last sort of half hour of the game, you know, Poro. Richarlison, Basuma. No, but even 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 Dan Juma and you yeah, know, these Juma, guys, yeah, you exactly. think you think this will could improve the team. The problem with that game was it felt like if you changed a piece, you didn't know what was yep. going to happen. It was scary the idea of making a sub, which is why the Son Basuma pragmatic change was felt relatively safe. Just putting another body in midfield. James, nobody normally describes you as giddy. <laughs> now that you've had a few days to think about it, the mass hysteria of optimism of Monday's podcast. You still got some fragments of that have kept alive. You're keeping alive the green shoots of optimism? I think so. I mean it was good of Hugo Lloris to kind of, you know, to check us. And dampen just, it up, just, exactly, it? Yeah. just to kind of keep us in our lane. Yeah, I, I do. And actually mainly for that reason that that Robert just said there, to see a bench that strong. I mean, look, Spurs have generally had a good starting eleven through the season. I, I mean, and again, as Rob said, you know, they had the one game against Liverpool where Perisic played up front, and they've had a couple of games where they've had to kind of 
do make do in midfield with without uh, um, Bentancur and Hoiberg. But generally, the starting eleven has been strong. But they very rarely had more than one good option on the bench or game-changing option on the bench. So it's good to see, you know, the possibility of being able to tweak the system a little bit. And I know we've had many conversations about how uh, how little Conte likes to do that, but it, it is an option. And, you know, to have players like Richarlison, you know, I still think Richarlison is going to have a big moment in this season. Sure. Like, I just feel like there's going to be, like, a big goal or, or an incredible game where we remember that as being the game where it kind of started for him or, or he made a big contribution to a big season. I just have that feeling with him. He just has that kind of energy of a player who provides big moments, and we saw that at the World Cup. And he was such a big part of Everton staying in the Premier League last season. And he, he did really all his came... best work in the second half of the season. Exactly, yeah. I mean, he more or less kept them up single-handedly. So, yeah, I just have a feeling that that could be, like, the big thing in the second half of the season or in this last, what, third of the season. I've got to ask you this question. I'm sure, because you're a professional, that you approach every game with a completely open mind and freed of the vile prejudices that um, blot the, the, the thought processes of normal football fans. I'm going to have to try and do that for Andy Madley the next game oh, he takes charge of. I mean, both, I mean, both sides had plenty to complain about. He was terrible. I don't, I don't know what happened there. I mean, a little less time down the gym and a little more time with the rule book uh, would probably be... He had, a, he had a bad one. He did, he did. He had a bad one. But you can't, you, you're a human being, Rob. Do you have favourite Spurs players? Kulusevski. Go on, why is that then? I love Dayan Kulusevski. I just... I was, I was blown away by how quickly he adapted to the Premier League. I thought... I, I, I honestly thought... Bentacool come in and improve the team instantly. And he did in 50 seconds of his of his debut where he picked up the ball under pressure and turned out. I was like, oh, here he is, right? But Kulusevski, I thought, he's still only 21. He's not been barely been playing for you. I think he played like eight, ten starts or something that season. And he just, a uh, City game. Mm-hmm. City game. Unbelievable. And I just love the way he carries the ball. He doesn't look quick, but he is. And he can drop a shoulder. He can go inside and out. It's either whip cross to the back post left foot or it's he'll get to the barn and cut it back right foot. I just adore Dayan Kulusevski. James will remind us which people on this podcast after four games of Kulusevski's uh, career uh, said he was useless, too slow and can't play. Was it you or was it me or was it, who, was it Charlie? Uh, yeah, shall we just say it was Charlie? And I also yeah. think, it, by the way, it was fewer than four <laughs> games as well, I think, by the way. I mean, I think our WhatsApp group will, our WhatsApp group will be able to, to date that very specifically. Uh, that's all been deleted, trust me. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't disagree with you either, James. No, you no, you didn't exactly. I'm not defending no. you. In the time that you've been watching Harry Kane, you weren't commentating on all of them, Rob. But we were kind of picking our favourites last last time out, just to to end off this bit about your commentary life. You did that wonderful appraisal of his place with Clive that you know as it went viral on the on the internet. Have you got a favourite goal by him? Because there's a lot to choose from. Right about the game and the program the weekend, the the win at the Etihad last season. I I think that was the that is one of the all time great individual Premier League performances as a starting point. I think it's Harry Kane's best ever performance. It was like perfect. There'd obviously been all the drama the summer before. He then goes to the Etihad and utterly dominates that game. So like that game in itself, and for him to start the move for the first goal to score the second to nearly score again have a goal disallowed 
bully the two den defenders, bullied Rodri when he was man marking him second half. It was just like unbelievable. So when he scored that winner, I know there's all there's the mask goal and there's a myriad of North London derby goals and uh, the Chelsea five three and blah 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 blah. But that game, I still can't get over. He had 37 touches. I checked it the other day. That's all he had. But they were all influential, weren't they? Un- unreal. Unreal. So I'll go that winner in front of that away end at City. One last question about Common Tech, and then I want to get on to the weekend's game against Leicester. What happens now with, with your... And this is a, what happens with your career? Do you continue to, tra- to commentate for Spurs until Barcelona come in for you? I did get asked to work for Barcelona TV once. I knew it. And uh, I, I said, uh, no, it was just to go on and be a pundit or something. I didn't really understand. I was like, oh, what's the fee? And they said, no, no fee. Aha, uh-huh. wow. that's not the Rob Daly I know. No, it, was, it blew me away. I was like, well, that's no appearance then. That's, <laughs> that's, 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 well, they, I mean, they are struggling a bit, Barcelona, aren't they? So maybe that does make sense. So they like a free yeah, transfer. Exactly, yeah. So you... no, it was a roundabout way of asking how happy you are being a Spurs commentator. Can you see yourself? You're a very young man, so you're doing it into the, into the middle distance. Yeah, like like anyone, like I would love to be on big games and do World Cups and stand uh, like Harry Kane already. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I the club has I to match your commentating ambitions. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to say. Come on now, <laughs> look. No, I'm not going anywhere. We love hearing from you. And the next time people will be able to hear your voice is the commentary on Saturday's three o'clock kickoff. There, I said it, Saturday three o'clock, when Spurs go to Leicester. Of course, now, being football fans, we're thinking after the imperious performance in ways against Manchester City, who knows what Lord Mayor Show may follow um, at the King Power. Uh, I, I guess I'll say two things about that. Harry Kane has got a tremendous record against Leicester. He seems to be there. He seems to be one of the teams he enjoys punishing, and this may be an echo of something a million years ago. I was asked. I was writing about um, something in a book that somebody had asked me to contribute to, and my memory of Saturday evenings as a young man um, was that uh, I would we, we, we'd all have to have a bath Saturday evening because we were going to mass Sunday morning, and I'm like 14, and of course they'd be the match reports. Uh, coming in from uh, on, on the old radio station. And in my mind, it always said, and, and here's today's results, Leicester 1, Tottenham Hotspur 4, hat-trick for Greaves. It, it seemed to me that was the result I remembered more than any other. So I am, and I went, also went to, uh, to college in Leicester till uh, we parted ways, musical differences. And so I, I went to see Leicester for two seasons and have a soft spot for them. But to me, and I'm going to be overly optimistic here, James, they're a team that we can always beat, Leicester. Oh, now you've done it, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, but you weren't saying that in the 92nd minute last season. I thought we might come back. <laughs> <laughs> They've got to win this. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean, and you mentioned the Harry Kane record. I think it's 18 goals, which is actually, as a proportion of his 200 Premier League goals, is massive. It's actually crazy when you think about it. Against the team that trained him up. Yeah, they did so much for him. And this is how he repays them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, one, my one worry, I mean, you're right. We should be positive about that fi- fixture in general. But I did see, uh, it looked like they played very well last weekend. And they've got this new guy, is it Tete, the guy they've signed from Shakhtar? Yeah, Tete, yeah. Offered to Spurs, good. by the way. Oh, really? There you go. Yep. So, yeah, and without uh, Romero, you know, with, with Harvey Barnes running at, at Damison Sanchez, as you pointed out on Monday, Danny. I, I, I mean, it's not going to be an easy game, but you're right. I mean, there, there are plenty of reasons for us to be optimistic about that, I would say. Who will wear the armband, James? That's a good question. Harry Kane, I think, is... Uh, Rob, it's Rob Kane, 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 anyway. Yeah. Yeah, we can. And I think actually, 
you know, I hope that he's around the club long enough that he becomes the captain. Do you, but really, do you, mean, do you want it? He's the best midfield player. He heads away all corners and free kicks. He's got to take he shoulders most of the responsibility for goal scoring. I know, but I want him. But he's he is revered to like a extraordinary level. Like I just think he should be England and Tottenham captain. I mean, I think if you can, if you can be England captain, yeah, I don't think being Tottenham captain would necessarily phase you that much. And he has he obviously has done it before. Yeah, he basically, I mean, him and Hugo are almost like joint captains basically in that dressing room anyway, I think. So I don't think it's a massive, massive thing. Rob, it's been an absolute thrill to have you along on the, on the view from the lane and you'd be welcome back um, whenever we well, we pay better than Barcelona or at least the same amount. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. Thank you for coming on. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been great and I'm looking forward to the next couple of months because it's Milan doubleheader, it's Chelsea, West Ham... The whole thing. I can just, I sort of also with Kane being captain, I, I think he's going to relish this idea that Hugo's out. I'm going to lead in every regard for the next couple of months. I am going to be the guy. He's just broken the record. He seemed in like such an amazing mood at the weekend, understandably. And I think he's just going to like rock it again. And this is all off the back of a career low point. The France penalty. I, I mean, people miss penalties. It's just the way it goes, but it just happened to happen at this extraordinary moment. And his response to it, I think, since just shows he's a killer. But opposition fans have already given up abusing him for it, haven't they? Because they've just seen it. It's just like water or ducks back to him. It's not made any difference. Well, I hope that what I hear over the next three, three and a half months is you roaring again and again and again as Kane, captain or otherwise, and his teammates slamming goals that sea Spurs have as good a second half of the season as they had last year. I want to ask James, we have neither, we have none of the panoply of writers that you not only employ, but pay out of your own stipend to work for the Athletic. What are we getting from the lads over the next few days there, James? I can talk about stuff we've just done. Yeah, so Jack has uh, reacted to yesterday's sad news about Hugo Lloris' injury with a column, as I think I mentioned before, setting out where that places Spurs a little bit of insight into what we can expect from uh, Fraser Forster over these next couple of months or six weeks, hopefully. And Tim has written a sort of analytical piece on Christian Romero and whether his insane aggression is a net positive or a net negative for Spurs. And I know you think it's a net negative, Danny, but I... No. Well, I guess oh, you no, did. no, no, no. Yes, you did. Sorry, where did you get that from? Through previous conversations you've had about it over the course Absolutely of the last 18 not. months. Absolutely not. I think he's an idiot. But I think he's the best Spurs defender since Vertonghen. And, and, you know, the measure of this is simple, isn't it? Very few players get applauded off the pitch when they get a red card. He was reported to the to the Raptors. Can I, can I, I love can him. Can I finish with a question to you, Danny? Mm. Is Christian Romero a git? Yes, he is. Okay. Of, the, of the most fantastic kind. Team Rob, that's how you respond to a left-field question. You don't make a noise that sent dogs scurrying for miles around. <laughs> I wanted to get those things into your mind about the great stuff you can read because if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you really ought to sign up now to read all that uh, that um, has been just described by James, plus a mountain of other stuff about Spurs, as well as everything else that's on the site. It is almost infinite. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod and sign up right now for $1.99 a month for the first 12 months. That's theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. Thank you all for listening. Thanks, Rob Daly, 100% for being with us. Thanks, James, as well, for being along, as always. We'll be back next week, where I hope I'm not eating my words about Leicester City. Hold up. 
The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.